created live on Fireside. I love when the music goes out right when I start the show. It's like the best feeling. It's like I have nailed it. It went on at the same time. So welcome to your next stop live here on Fireside. Excited to share with you guys the unstoppable mom brain. And I'm going to say Priyanka. I said that correctly, right? Yeah. I'm going to say your, yep, you got first, it. I'm going to say your first you got name, it. but I'm going to have you say your last name. Yeah. So I am Priyanka Venugopal and you got it right. Like on the very first, very first try. Well, I've been saying it in my head. So, and yeah. it's actually uh, Dr. Uh, Priyanka That's right. Venerpool. Yeah. And I know I said that wrong, but um, yeah. my, yeah. my listeners all know uh, you're next to stop that uh, when I pronounce names, sometimes it brings comedy because of yeah. my dyslexia. <laughs> I mispronounce people's names. So welcome yeah. to Fireside. I know this is your first time on here, yeah. which is uh, really fun. Everyone yeah, it's, it's fun. So what I'm going to take people through a little bit right now is, uh, anyone that's in the audience, Anthony and Gabrielle, how are you? And I know people, I just had a bunch of people saying we're coming, we're coming. Um, but they'll, they'll catch the replay or they can catch up, which is really fun. You can catch up if you're in, your, in the room, but if you are listening here live on LinkedIn, hi, I see a bunch of people, uh, in there. If you're on Facebook, if you're Twitch or YouTube, welcome, welcome. I'm bringing you another really fun guest uh, to your next stop live here on Fireside. So anyone that is in the room, if you guys can go down to those two little lines at the bottom and click on it, and you'll see where it says broadcast. It's, it will share with followers, which I will do right now. So if you guys got that just for me in a second, um, that is me sharing with the followers. But then there's also something that says broadcast to the world. And you can actually go there and send it to, um, it will pop up. It's almost like pictures. You can send it to Facebook. You can send it to um, any person on your email list. You can also send it to people uh, text-wise. But what is really fun is that someone can be listening in the app from where you're sending, but we don't see them in the room. So there's people in there. The people in the room can participate, but the people outside the app can just listen and kind of be a part of the show. So it is a really fun kind of way that we're doing this. So welcome, welcome. And um, I just want to get right into this. So Priyanka, can you let everyone know a little bit about you, where you grew up, where you went to university? You know, obviously you're a doctor, so (laughs) I'm not going to say if you went to university, where you went to university and what, you know, where you uh, got your uh, undergrad and and medical school and all of that. If you can give us a little insight. I mean, there's many layers, many years of that. Yeah. So, so yeah. So I am a board certified OBGYN and as you pronounce perfectly, my name is Priyanka Vanugopal. Um, and I grew up in New Jersey. So most of my life I grew up near like central Jersey and I was one of those kids. I like to really describe myself as one of those kids that I mean, either you're going to love this or hate this. I was the kid that would like raise their hand in front of the class. I would volunteer to like, you know, wipe the blackboards. I teacher's pet. I want the A plus. I want the gold stars. Like I, and you know, I, I really think, and maybe many of you listening can identify, like I really rolled that, that part of my, my mannerism into my identity at a very young age. And, and yeah, so we're going to be talking about that today, I think. But, um, I grew up in New Jersey and from there I spent, all the way through high school in basically one town. And then from there, I went to Carnegie Mellon um, for undergrad, which is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I deeply adore Pittsburgh. Um, it's where I met my husband. And then for a while, I lived in the Washington, D.C. area. So in Bethesda, Rockville, D.C., while I was working at the NIH. Um, I was doing research at the NIH while I was trying to decide what I wanted to do with my life. So at this point, like, 
I had considered medicine, but I also didn't know if I loved medicine. I didn't know what I would want to ever do. Like I just, it felt like one of those sure paths that I think a lot of us, we want a path forward. Like, what am I going to do next? And I think I had been, it had been drilled into my brain at a very young age, like some level of grad school. Like it was just one of those things. Like you do some level of grad school, which is what you do. I never even questioned that. And so I think that that was a time period while I was um, working at the NIH that I was trying to decide medical school, research, something totally different. I made the decision to go to medical school and my husband got a job out in San Francisco. So I came to California for medical school. So it was one of those things like every four years, I basically moved until I felt like, you know, I became a grown adult. Right. And then uh, I came back to New Jersey actually for residency. So I decided in undergrad, sorry, not in undergrad, in medical school, I did a couple of rotations in OBG as, as an OBGYN. And I just, I mean, I think what, and, and I discovered this actually along the way, I've always been very compelled to serve women. And I mm-hmm. think that it, um, it came up even in my volunteer work when I was in DC. So it's not surprising actually that I chose to become an OBGYN, but I came back to New Jersey for residency. And yeah, that's like kind of been my, my role around the United States. <laughs> I love it. And I, you know, I yeah. think there's a lot of times when I have um, guests on and, um, and they say it was always kind of just, it was expected that we went to a higher, uh, you know, higher yeah. level, whether it was, mm-hmm. um, you know, your culture or where mm-hmm. it was, you know, you obviously were good in school. Carnegie Mellon is, you know, an excellent university. And yeah. so when, when people, and I, I find this, and it's always interesting for me because people yeah. uh, might, you know, n- that listen, know that school was really tough for me because of my dyslexia, yeah. but I was really, really yeah. good at sports. Like, so that's where yeah. I excelled. Um, yeah. and so I didn't hate school. I just didn't really super enjoy sitting in the class and, and learning yeah. in that aspect. Right. I loved asking people questions and being curious about people's lives and, and what yes. people did and how things yeah. work. I was always that kid, but sitting at a desk and just having yeah. someone talk to me and, and teach that way. I was like, this is awful. Like, I don't want to yes. go any further than I have to. I did choose to go to yeah. college. There's many people, you know, that will say to me, you know, I wouldn't probably have gone to school if I really struggled as much, but because of my athletics, I wanted to go to that next step. And I was a driven, yes. driven kid and proved to myself, wait, I can do yeah. this. And everyone, you know, that is where, I started studying communications and realized, wait, I actually am good at school. It's just not the fundamental, like the way you're taught at a public school um, kind of thing. So the fact that you were like, let me explore, let me see what I love is, um, is really cool that you didn't just take that and say, okay, I'm just going to keep going and keep going and just get a degree. But you really did kind of introspectively sit down and say, Mm -hmm. what do I love to do? And I don't know that everyone does that, uh, which is interesting. So do you think that your, your parents gave you a little bit of a, like a platform to, to explore? It was okay in your family to explore or where do you think you, know, you got that? Yeah. I think that, that that's such a good question. Um, my parents were always very open to me exploring. I think that they did want me to, um, love the career I chose, but at the same time, it was very narrow. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we want you to love it, but also like, these are the options that are, that are good. And, right. you know, I think actually speaking to your point, what's interesting is like, yes, I, um, you know, I went to a really good school and, went to medical school and residency, but here's what's interesting. I, I love learning, but I didn't love learning. And I think what's fascinating for me, and I only am am noticing now as a coach, as I really, because I coach high achieving moms, I, I think that it's helped me really start to see that I thought I should be a certain way. And so I spent many, many years of my life trying to conform to 
being that good girl who gets the A, gets the gold star. And I thought that meant that I had to go, go down this route. And then I think what a lot of us do is we kind of convince ourselves. And that's definitely what I did. I think I definitely convinced myself, even when I decided to go to medical school, to be honest, I don't know that I should have like necessarily chosen that, right? It's, I just mm-hmm. chose it because it felt like in the moment, I didn't know that there was a world of options. I never really saw the world in that way. I was like, okay, there's like these two or three options. And like, you know, because I'm very used to historically, I want the next step. I'm very like, give me the multiple choice test. Right. Give me the next thing. Like, I'll just do step one, step two, step three. Medical school just seemed like the next natural step for me. And um, it, it just happened to be that I fell in love with the field of, you know, obstetrics and gynecology. But if I had not, there was really nothing else that I truly loved about medicine, which is so fascinating. Like I happened to fall in love with that, but I don't know that choosing medicine was really coming from the cleanest place to be really right. honest. Right. Now, if you don't mind me asking, what, what were, were your parents, what were their professions? So my dad is a computer engineer. He went to you know, one of the best colleges in India because he was just so brilliant. And it, I think that that was also part of it for me growing up. Like my dad was just on a pedestal in terms of how smart and intelligent he was. And I always wanted to be like him and impress Mm. him in a sense. And my mom for most of my life was a stay at home mom. And when I was in high school and, you know, me and my, my brother were like now off in school, she was at home all day. She was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to do something more. And, um, she, she just decided at that point to get educated. She took a course and she also started to do computer programming. And I mean, amazing. I mean, my mom has such tenacity to be able to do that as a grown adult to go back Mm. to school and, um, I mean, she pushed herself and she, so now, yeah, so they're both computer programmers. Um, there's no physicians in my family. <laughs> I, me and my brother, my brother's also now a physician. So me and my brother were the first in our immediate family to go to medical school. Okay. So that's interesting, but I love yeah. that you saw yeah. your mom at an age where yeah. she was like, well, I want to do more. And so I think that, you know, yeah. as you grew and so tell us a little bit about, I mean, cause you, yeah. you the un- uh, tell us what the unstoppable mom brain is. I mean, I know you have a podcast, yeah. anyone that yeah. you know is listening right now is like, wait, I want to learn a little bit more. You can go yeah. to Priyanka's uh, profile here on fireside and you can get the, un- you know, yeah. unstoppable mom brain, but you can also see it here yeah. in the scroll and it will be yeah. on, it's on every social. So know that, yeah. you know, you guys can find her there, but kick us through a little bit of that. Yeah. You know, a lot of what it is, it it kind of just um, speaks to a lot of the first part of my life. I would say the majority of my life up until the last few years, as I was sharing, like I was, I've always been a very in the box kind of person, like give me some rules, give me some strategies, and I'm going to go out and get the gold star. I'm going to get the A plus. I'm going to go do really well. And I really defined a lot of my success with these external parameters, which not surprisingly, I think many of us do, many of us do this. And I would say it was after residency, um, I had had both my kids. So my kids are now seven and four. My daughter was about seven months, my second. And at this point I was about 200 pounds. And my relationship with the scale has always been, 
not exactly contentious, but not exactly loving to put, you know, to put it very frankly. Mm -hmm. And I think that, uh, I very distinctly remember this memory. I was driving to the office and I loved my office, my practice, my patients adored them. But I remember I was driving to the office, my daughter, seven months at this point, I was still nursing and breastfeeding. So I was pumping while driving. How many of you, (laughs) from mom, you know what I'm saying? If you have ever nursed or pumped, pumping while driving, they have these amazing contraptions nowadays. You plug it into your car and drive. So I was pumping while driving to work and I was 200 pounds. And I remember thinking like, what is going on? I felt so deeply frustrated because I had a very, what I like to call good on life paper, a supportive partner and two kids who are healthy and a practice that I love and a job that I truly feel purposeful in. I loved again, being an OBGYN, uh, my patient, I love, but there was a sense in me that just felt heavy. I felt like this frustration that like I've worked too hard in my life and I have this one life to live that I'm not feeling great. And I think that that was actually the time that I stumbled onto a podcast and I discovered the world of coaching and how, you know, I used to be that person again, because I'm such a planner, like, give me the spreadsheets, give me the apps and I'll log all the points and the calories. And yet it just never stuck. It never worked. And a lot of it is because I really felt heavy in my mind. I felt really just like a lot of, um, I'm working so hard. I don't get enough fun. I don't have enough pleasure and not very surprisingly, I went to food to create that for myself. And I think that that was really my journey into coaching and challenging a lot of my old paradigms, like getting a lot of my external, getting validation from external sources had to change. And that was probably my biggest work. I started finding myself with my patients, especially my, my, um, my patients that would come there, like between the ages of, I would say like 35 to 50, they would want me to check their hormones. Always. I just, libido. I just actually got my, I just got yep. my, my hormones checked today. Yes. I actually and just it's, not blood surprising. Today. it's not surprising. Like I, you know, and this, my, 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 um, I feel deep love for my patients that would come with this. They'd say, the, the two biggest complaints. One is I have low libido. They'd have a baby and like, I don't have no, any, any drive, you know? Right. And then the other one would be, I can't lose weight. So check my hormones. And I get yeah, why right. we do that. Like, I feel so much compassion because we're like, we want a reason. I want some reason for why I have right. a low libido, can't lose the weight. Where's my fatigue? I have all of these um, complaints and we want a reason. And let me tell you, it's the hardest and also the best news that it's not your hormones. Usually, can't say never, but it's not usually your hormones. It's usually your brain. And it's the hardest news to hear because it means like now we get to take responsibility, but it's also the best because I promise you, it means you can go change it. And I found myself starting to coach my patients in our annual visits. Like I'm doing their exam and I'm talking to them about their life. And that was when I realized like, I just feel so compelled to coach my clients, uh, to coach my patients that, you know, I think that this is something that I want to do full time, which is when I decided to um, become a entrepreneur, which was not the step-by-step ABCD route at all. It's been the biggest, hardest, best journey of my life, harder than medical school for sure. And I started the unstoppable mom brain really with the intention of teaching my audience, showing the universe of women that will ever listen to me in their ears, that really their brains, their mom brains are not the reason that's holding them back. So many times I hear mom brain as like, as though, you know, their mom brain right. is a reason that they're failing at something. I hear, I would hear it as a physician at their postpartum visit, like, oh, I forgot my, my son's report card, or I forgot like the meeting with the teacher, mom brain. 
we do this as a society. And I was mm. like, no, we're not, we're not doing that anymore. Your mom brains, I promise you, is your greatest asset when you learn how to utilize her. And so that was, that's where that whole journey began. Right. And there's so much. And you know, it's funny. I got, yeah. cause my friend said, why are you getting your hormones checked? And I said, well, I'm going to be 49. I just want to have a baseline. I, there's nothing, yeah. there's nothing going on that I'm like, wait, I want, you know, yeah. I think that there's an issue. I just want to get a baseline because I know my mom went yeah. through menopause early. And so I yeah. just kind of want to see where things are just because I'm curious. Yeah. It's more because I'm curious Absolutely. just to be like, I want to see where it is yeah. and then, you yeah. know, go. So that, that is, it's funny. Um, but it's just funny that I did that today. I was like, Oh wait, I have my appointment yeah. this morning. Um, uh, so I love that you did that. And I think it's really important for people to hear that as a physician, you know, you were struggling with yourself, but then you were yes. talking to, to your patients. And so I think a lot yeah. of people do that because even with my coaching yeah. that I do, my consulting yeah. with people about how yeah. to tell their story and what to do, yeah. it is, um, yeah it's really funny because sometimes I'll be like, wait, I need to take my own advice in that. I'm not taking my own advice yes. here. And I think yeah. a lot of people do that when they, when they're coaching and consulting yes. people. So when yeah. did you decide to jump full in? Because I mean, do you still practice? Yeah. Are you still a practicing no, I physician? Stopped. I stopped practicing clinically and I made, I'm maintaining my board certification, but I am now just full-time entrepreneur. You know, actually also speaking, I'll, I'll get to that in one second, but one of the things that you just said, which is so important is I wasn't taking my own advice, like as yeah. a physician who knows the science, I, I, I understood the science of how our bodies work and how we hold on to fat and how, you know, you eat a calorie and how it turns into like stored energy on your body. But a lot of it isn't just that I wasn't taking my own advice. It's that the advice we are given, particularly when it comes to weight loss is often wrong. Mm -hmm. So we understand the science, but the advice we are given, I think the most common one is a like, calories in calories out. Or like, you know, I think that that's the most common one, right? Like count the calories right. and have a calorie deficit. If you have a calorie deficit, you'll lose weight. Yeah, that makes sense at a scientific level. But what we start doing, and I think this was why for so many years, I was always up and down. I'd lose a little bit of weight, give it back, lose a little bit of weight. Because while I could log every point in calorie, sure, I could lose the weight. But I did not want to log every calorie I put into my mouth. Every, every point in macro, like, did I want to live yeah. my life based on a spreadsheet? No. So not surprisingly, like I knew the advice, but there was something missing in that advice that I think that, um, was the reason that I think so many women, you know, they can do it while they're willing to count every point, but it didn't last. It wasn't sustainable. And I think that what I really like to, um, help my audience see is that yes, there are, of course, healthy foods and good quality macros and good quality calories and points that you can consume, of course. And also what if we didn't need a calculator to lose weight ever again? Like what would be the impact of that? You know, whenever I, I share this, I, sometimes people look at me like, Priyanka, that's too good to be true. And I'm like, it's not too good to be true because you have to work hella hard to figure this out. Like I had to work many years to learn this as a skill that I can now distill and teach my clients. So it's not too good to be true because you have to work to unlearn diet brain. I call it diet brain, like the calculator, you know, like I have tried every app, all the apps I have tried, you have to go through diet, like you have to unlearn diet brain. And then what I teach my clients really is how do you intimately, intimately befriend your body? She's telling you in real time when she's hungry and not. I think that to me, it's that piece that is missing from the advice. Um, so that was a little tangent. I had to share that because no, but, I wasn't yeah. taking my own advice because it wasn't complete advice. And also, I mean, I think a lot of women also don't see 
um, there's genes that play into this as well. I mean, and that's yeah. like such a, such an important thing where yeah. someone, you might have a friend or a sister or an aunt that you're like, I don't understand. You had four kids and you went right back mm-hmm. to his ear. And my, this is my sister yep. and I, it was always funny. Cause I, yeah. uh, and I don't struggle with my weight really never have. I was always been yeah. lucky, but I put a lot of weight on when I was pregnant. I put on 60 pounds. I mean, I was a big woman, yeah. but I was, I knew I was going to get it. Like I didn't stress. Cause I was like, okay, this is what, how my body's reacting. And then afterwards right. I'm going to lose it because it took a year to put on. It took, I was never the unrealistic that I was like, oh my God, I got to, you know, go crazy. And I also knew I was having more kids. So I was like, I'm not going to kill right. myself to get back to the body right. to, then, to get pregnant again. Right because this is obviously how my body's handling it. And I remember right. people saying, oh my gosh, your sister went right back to a zero. And I was like, yeah, that's just weird. <laughs> my yeah. sister would say, that's not fair. Yeah. It's not weird, but she can't yeah. put on weight. And sometimes people will say yes. like, oh, yeah. you're so lucky, but it's not. I mean, she has, she has a struggle. Mm-hmm. She has to watch like and make sure she's eating enough yeah. healthy and fatty foods because she cannot, right. her metabolism is so crazy. And right. she has four kids and you would never know it. But yeah. she, you know, she, there's times where she's too, like too, she's like, this is yeah. not health, you know, it's not great. So, yeah. you know, sometimes people there, don't there's think There's a lot to that. be said about that. Like, you know, I, you know, I specifically coach women to live a lighter life and to lose weight while they do that. That's one piece of it, but there are so many other pieces, uh, that affect us. Like you can, you can be exactly what you're describing. Like forget like trying to lose weight. Like some people need to gain weight, you know? And, And I think that this is why sometimes weight loss can be a very sensitive topic and it can be a trigger topic because of this topic. Like the goal. And especially again, like with, with the work that I do is never ever putting out um, the message that you have to lose weight. Right. What I really want every woman, every human listening to this is to know that you can live in a body in your forever home in a way that feels delightful to you. What is that? What is that? That could be one pound. It could be a hundred pounds. It could be seven pounds. If we did, if we just took away everything that you know, every magazine and movie and forget even mid-range BMI. So as a physician, right, I would talk about the BMI scale and being health, like what's healthy from like a medical standpoint. If we just take a pause on that, mm-hmm. and if you got to be the authority of your body, where do you want to live? And I think that, you know, a lot of the the people that I talk to, of course, it's weight loss, but it can be either way. And there's a struggle on both sides. Right. Sure. And, and, and that's, you have to be, and that's what I always say a lot yeah. as well, because you have to be comfortable in your body. And Absolutely. if you're, you might be like, someone might say, Oh, that person's overweight, but they can yeah. do everything and they're comfortable and they're healthy. I mean, it's about health. Right. I mean, it's about health yeah. and how you feel, but you know, some people yeah. will, and, and it's so important because I think our society is always about, and especially in, in certain cultures, right. It's about yeah. being thin and, you know, being, yeah. you know, wafy. And this is, and if you have an yeah. athletic body, and I'll, I'll remember, I always remember my kids are definitely more on the athletic side. So, and then they were shorter when they were little. So it was really funny. Mm-hmm. If you looked at their, their numbers, we were always yeah. like 80% weight and 10% height. And, and yeah. if you saw that, I mean, the doctors would be like, your kids are solid muscle. And I'm like, no, I'm, right. I'm not worried about it. Like that's how right. I was. It is, it is okay. But that is society yeah. really does put that into people's heads. And it's, and it's not fair yes. because again, you can be overweight not, in yeah. someone else's 
size, but you're comfortable yep. in your body and you can wear a bikini because you're comfortable and you like the way you yeah. look and you're healthy. That's again, the yeah. number one thing. And you're healthy. Yeah. You shouldn't have yeah. to change because the society says, so I love that you said that. Exactly. And, yeah. and again, with my sister, my sister would be like, I want to put weight on. I don't like, I don't feel comfortable yeah. in my body. I'm too thin and I'm yeah. trying to put weight yeah. on. And so right. it is one of those things. And I, you know, so yeah. I think it's and when it's one where it also speaks to like, you know, how, again, like, this is not just women. This is our society is so like married to external metrics, to the number that a piece of paper or a graph. And I mean, this is like, when we talk about like, how do you lose weight? You know, so many people are so used to cal- again, counting points and cal- you know, calculating or downloading plans off of the internet. Let me download a meal plan, like the PDF of what that person did. We're so used to external metrics that we have become so disconnected from the one home that we are literally living in every moment of every day. And I think that it, it is, it is drilled into us at a very young age. And I think that that's unfortunate. And what we get to do kind of, I think even in this conversation is, of course, it makes a lot of sense that you've been really married to the calculator, but what would it be like? Would you, how would it feel for you to, like, it's almost like I remember, you know, for me, when I, when I was thinking about coaching and understanding, oh, wait, I can lose weight without this app and these points, you have to like pry the app out of my hands because I was so used to getting feedback from a graph. Like, and, when that, and that's also your personality too, right? So it like yes. fed even more. Oh, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I want like, where's the multiple choice? Like, where is my answer? Did I get it right or wrong? I mean, this is, it's one of the, the biggest things that I coach my clients on is, you know, getting it right and wrong. And I'm like, yesterday's wrong has nothing to do with today's right. So, I mean, this is like literally one of the biggest things that have, that's been coming up in my, in my coaching group recently is we are human, which means we are going to get it wrong. You better believe yes. we are going to be getting it wrong many, 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 many times. And I can also tell you that every single time I got it wrong is the time that I quit and the time that I would gain a couple pounds and that that turned into a week, a month, a season. I'll start again in 2023, January 1st, the next birthday. Okay. Maybe next Monday is when I'll start. It's because we make imperfection a problem rather than an opportunity to glean incredible wisdom. It is like literally this untraining that has to happen when we co- when, when you coach with me, it's like, it's, it is unlearning that has to happen so that we can start gleaning wisdom from our actual bodies, not just a graph. And it's so true. Right. And it, and it really is. I mean, it is super true. The fact that, um, it's a personality thing and some people are like that, but again, it is like, okay, it's the new year. We have to do this. And it's, it's really just double checking with yourself. Do I feel comfortable with myself? Am I healthy? Do I feel healthy? And how can I, you know, move forward? So I I love all that you're saying. So I do want to take it back for a second to, to, for like any of my entrepreneurs that are in the audience are like, okay, she went from a doctor to an entrepreneur. Like what did that look like? And how was that? Um, you know, how long did you do both? Like was one side hustle for a little while? If you can take us through that journey a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is such a good, this is such a good story. So for me, I, again, so I started, coaching while I was a physician, I was going through my own journey, my own transformation at the time. And along the way, I, I, I realized that I was developing my own intellectual property. So while I was taking the coaching, you know, that I was receiving, I was also creating my own process along the way. And I found myself coaching my patients, which is when I decided I really want to do this. 
I want to help other high achieving working moms specifically. And there was probably about a year or so, a year, maybe about nine months that I was doing both at the same time. And I had no intention. So when I started coaching, I had no intention of leaving medicine. I had no intention at the time to not practice being an OBGYN. And part of this is because I worked really hard to become an OBGYN. I mean, right. I mean, can, can we say decades? I don't know. <laughs> that feels like an exaggeration, but it felt like decades of college and medical school and residency and like all the hoops that I went through to become an OBGYN. I never had any, any um, plan to not practice yet. There also came a time, a point when I felt like my impact, I felt like what was just calling to me to spend my time, energy, and bandwidth was in coaching. And so it was a very difficult decision for me. Um, because, you know, I think, I think it was particularly difficult because I didn't hate being a physician. I think a lot of times you see physicians leave medicine or they become an entrepreneur, they do something different because they're burning out because of the state of the way medicine is, is nowadays. It's, it's right. very common to see a burnout for physicians, it wasn't that it was because something else was calling to me more. So I loved doing what I was doing, but this was just, um, it lit me up in a way that I had not been lit up. I think my whole life, like, I think what I was describing even earlier in this conversation was I chose medicine because I felt like the right next thing to do. And mm -hmm. within that, I fell in love with being an OBGYN. But what I think the entrepreneurial journey opened up for me was this, this creativity that I didn't know I had. I didn't know I had this little, um, I don't know if I want to call it a fire. It feels kind of cliche to say that, but like, I had this, this thing inside that I had to get out. I needed more humans to know about it, particularly high achieving working moms, that there's a better way. And I felt like, I think my reach, um, my story, what I want to share with the universe, what I want for more women could only happen when I dedicated more of my time to being an entrepreneur full time. And so there came a point and I, you know, it was, it was such a heartbreaking conversation with my practice. I still remember I got on the phone with the two senior partners. I was bawling. I was crying nice. because, you know, and I think even at the time I probably told myself like, maybe this isn't forever. Like maybe I'll come back. Like, you know, maybe, maybe I'll come back in, in a year. I don't know. I, I think right. I didn't fully decide, but, um, I felt a lot of, um, I don't know if the word is like sadness or even, um, grief. I think I felt grief actually. Was there, the was idea. there guilt? Was there guilt? You know, there was a little bit of guilt at the idea of, um, you know, I could be serving women in this other way. And I, I did feel some guilt, but at the same time, I think what had been happening in my personal journey was learning to trust myself learning to trust my intuition, learning to be confident, even if this was a mistake. I'd like, here's the biggest thing. Even if me leaving that practice and even if me becoming an entrepreneur was a mistake, was I willing to have my own back? Was I willing to have my own back? Even if it all went to crap, like even if the whole thing was a big, like, you know, big, crazy mistake, was I willing to have my own back or would I beat myself up over it? And the answer was, of course not, because of the work I had been doing on myself and the work I had been taking my own brain through. So the guilt was really short-lived because I reminded myself, like, wait, we have this agreement with ourselves. We don't treat ourselves like, like crap anymore. We are, like, delighting in every mistake that comes our way. Let's go. 
And well, I think that yeah. also I, I had confidence that if I ever wanted to go back, I could. Right. Well, cause, and then, and then you have, like, as you said, you're keeping up your certification, but the other thing that yes. I think is important that you said that I want everyone yeah. to listen to again, and we yeah. talk about this on all, all my shows, um, is the, yeah. the failure. And I've actually been on a podcast yeah. about just failure. Like, and I, it's funny yeah. because I have never, because of having dyslexia and failing so yeah. many times, I've, I don't look at failure as a bad thing. I actually look at it as, okay, what did I learn from that? And I, I did that yes. in a very early age and my, in my life. So even when I was younger and I don't know that I realized I was actually doing that, but that is what, how I live life. If I make a a mistake and we all make mistakes, I know, okay, I'm going to learn something from that. And actually a mistake that's going to, it's going to be, it's going to bring me to a better place because I learned from it. And so I always, anytime I'm like, damn it. Okay. Let me think about that. I need to now think about what, what am I going to learn from it? And sometimes to my own fault, when I do make a mistake, sometimes it's just a mistake, right? There's no reason. I always have to look for the reason. (laughs) Like, why did I make that mistake? What can I learn from it? And there's times where it's like, "Hmm, I didn't learn anything from that. So I wonder where that's going to, you know, where that's going to take me, but that's how I always look at things. And it's really important for the listeners to think about that men and women, that if you're going out of your comfort zone, if you're doing things that are not, uh, that you're not, you know, you don't think that you're good at or that you're like nervous about and yeah. you're going to make mistakes and you have to let yourself. Absolutely. And I have so many clients, so many people yes. that I consult that are so nervous about that. Mis- and it's just talking to them mm-hmm. through the mistakes. And it's interesting because yes. it, it's, you know, even my kids to this day, when they make mistakes, I'm like, okay, good. They're learning. Like everything is a yes. life lesson from a mistake, but it's right. important because if you don't make mistakes yeah. early on in your life, yeah. life is going to be, life is going to be harder. One of my sons is oh, yeah. dyslexic and it's interesting yeah. seeing him when he makes a mistake, he literally bounces right back up, dusts it off and doesn't even think about it where my other mm. two might hesitate a little bit and are like, Oh, that stung. Especially my, my youngest right. who doesn't really make a lot of mistakes and watching right. her, I'm like, you know, kind of praying like at night let her yeah. make her mistakes. Cause she's young and yeah. she needs to learn this. Cause I don't want yeah. it to do it when she's in her twenties. Right. Because when you're in your twenties is when, like when people cannot handle it. And then you've seen society, mm-hmm. um, especially in generations where I feel like when we Definitely. were younger, it was okay to make mistakes. And then there was this, this generation that it was like, okay, let's protect them from their mistakes. And you see yeah. that now that there are yeah. certain age that they don't know how to handle it. So it's Absolutely. really important too. Yeah. And I mean, that's such a skill that I think, I mean, you learned it early and I would say that so many, so much of my audience is having to learn it now. So it's like, you know, especially when you decide that you want to lose weight, you know, the the way that I teach it, learning how to glean wisdom from imperfection is literally one of the stepping stones to create that dream ideal weight that you want to live at. And what I always also like to kind of validate and normalize for a lot of my audience and my clients is the perfectionism was a coping strategy that you created in your younger years and it worked well for you. There's a reason I think of perfectionism or more importantly, avoiding imperfection as a coping strategy. It was, uh, it was just a strategy your little mind created at the age of five or six that worked well for you for, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. And here we are saying this ninja skill that you have of perfectionism and avoiding imperfection, which works probably really well in your work life. You're probably that person at work that's like hitting all the marks and like getting the promotions and, you know, doing all the things right, quote unquote, right. We are saying that that ninja skill in your real life is just not a ninja skill when it comes to like actually how you want to treat yourself, 
how you actually want to be. And becoming an entrepreneur is a masterclass in itself in imperfection. It is, it is its own, it is its own university. And I've been to, you know, I've done Mm -hmm. enough college, but I feel like this, um, becoming an entrepreneur, I think that that is the biggest thing for me to remember that nervousness and doubt and inadequacy and all of that, all of those uncomfortable emotions are going to be with me along the ride. They're like with me in the car. I'm not going to let them program my GPS. What I used to do historically is I would feel nervous and nervous starts like programming my GPS and like, let's stop. Like, maybe let's not do this. This is scary. And that's just my, you know, my most primitive brain protecting me. What I had to learn how to do through coaching was, okay, I can normalize and validate. Of course, I feel nervous. I've never done this before. And nervous, like, let's get you comfortable in the backseat. Here's a throw pillow. I love you. And you're not touching my GPS. Thank you. Like, we're going to have, um, you know, something else driving us because otherwise we would just stay stuck. And I think that that's what I did for a very long time. I think so many of us do. We hold back our dreams, you know, in business and in weight loss. It's exactly the same thing. We hold back because we just want complete certainty. There's no such thing. Just like welcome uncertainty is not a problem. Yes. So now how old are your children now? My kids are seven and four. And when was it that you left the practice and and went full-time? So it's been about, let's see, about almost two years. It's been about almost two years, just under two years. Okay. So this is what's really interesting. And I, and I love, because was there any other entrepreneurs in your family? Like any, like aunts, uncles, cousins, did you have a neighbor? I mean, I might've had none that I knew. Like I might've had maybe, maybe some uncle, um, you know, is an entrepreneur. A lot of my family lives in India. So like my family here is really my immediate family. And I have, um, some cousins that live far off that, you know, we wouldn't see much, but no, (laughs) So and this is no entrepreneurs in my family. It's one of my favorite things to yeah. kind of dive into because yeah. there are definitely, I have guests that are entrepreneurs and their mom was an entrepreneur. Their dad was an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. Grandfather, there was, there's, it was in their blood, right? They were just yeah. born to be an entrepreneur. They were built that way. And then I have had, um, very few that mm-hmm. kind of happened upon it, right? Just happened upon it and it just was their path and then they took it. Very, very few that didn't have it. But one of the things, one of my, um, and it's it's so, her company is called LaBelle Bump and it's actually a really interesting story because she started this maternity line, but she was in corporate America and she always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And she's like, I don't know why I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Her There was no entrepreneurs in her family, you know, she thought. And, and then as we were kind of going into the story, she goes, wait, you know what? And we were past already had asked that question. We were like on a whole different thing. And she's like, I have to go back. There was a time when I was young and my dad owned a store with um, our neighbor. And it was, and then I just literally saw this light. She's like, and we used to go to dinners as a family and my dad would create, and it was like fun. And we would dance around and it was all this. And I said to her, okay, so I have a question for you. She's like, but I was really young. So I don't really remember it. And I said, how was your dad? Cause he was a professor. I said, when your dad walked through the door, what, you know, what was, how did he come across versus how he was as the store owner? And he was only a store owner for a, a very short time. Yeah. And she went, Oh my gosh. And I said, you've been chasing a feeling you wanted to be an yeah. entrepreneur and it's not because of memory. And that's what a lot of people don't sometimes right. realize. And this is what I really help people connect when I'm right. consulting them about their story. 
because a lot of times we think of a memory as um, a memory. That's like a story. I remember Mm -hmm. that, but there's so many things in our childhood that are feelings, Mm -hmm. whether it's good or bad. I mean, some people have some tragic feelings that they don't remember the actual details, but others have very positive feelings and they don't realize that that's what they've been chasing. So what will be really interesting for you to think about your kids, because your kids are young, especially your youngest, probably won't remember you walking in as the OBGYN versus the entrepreneur, your older one might a little bit like, you know, there might be a little, little thing. He might not remember. Is is it a boy? The first one? Yeah. My my older one's my son and my my younger's my daughter. Yeah. So it will be really interesting to see um, mm. as he grows, what the path is. And if oh, you're, yeah. if, if your entrepreneur like journey creates other entrepreneurs in your life, like oh, as that you would get older, be just, like, yeah. So fascinating to think of it. Like I've never even considered that. And you even speaking about like messaging as a child, I, I remember my memory of being an entrepreneur was like shaky. That's unsure. That's why like so much right. of what I had learned as a kid was like, make sure you go to grad school, make sure you have a guaranteed career because there is a lot of ups and downs with being an entrepreneur. And here's the thing, there's truth in that. There mm-hmm. is. And so like, why would anybody ever want to be an entrepreneur? If you feel deeply called, I mean, really deeply called. And it's, and it's the creativity, as you said, I think it's a yeah. very creative brain that is okay. Like I actually can live in chaos. Like it, I actually yeah. thrive sometimes. And when things are too, like when there things are too neatly, I, I have to create chaos. Right. And it's actually funny. Cause I've actually, right. as I've gotten older, I'm like, Oh, things were just so good that I had to like adopt another dog or I had to, right, I need like right. that to kind of, to drive me. Um, yeah, yeah. And I love, there's like a quote and it basically is like chaos is only, um, loved by the, and I forget that I'm not going to say it, but it's like, literally it's like brave girl chaos is only loved by mm-hmm. the strong, not the weak. And it's mm-hmm. so true. I actually do very well when things yeah. are a little bit, um, a little rough, ruffled when things are too yeah. perfectly tied. Um, yeah. I get bored. I really do. Yeah. I'm like, oh, there we go. Yeah. Yes. So, and, and I was made to be an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I know that, you know, I was, I, even yeah. when I was in the corporate world, I worked in alternative advertising. So mm. every day was different, you know, it was never like, mm. you know, a, a to B and kind of thing or A to Z. So I think it's really cool to see, um, mm-hmm. as your children grow and as generations yeah. grow, if your yeah. experience creates yeah. more entrepreneurs, um, in your, in your, in your world. We're going to have to talk in like 20 years and oh, like no. come back and see what they do. I, I think it's so, so interesting. And I think actually this even kind of, this kind of brings up for me, like what's the messaging that I want to give my kids, you know? Mm-hmm. So even for, um, work ethic and you know, how to be a kind person, like, you know, the things that my kids are talking about in school, it's like, how do you be kind and use your kind words and all of these things that we learn about. I think that, of absolutely my, my personal journey from being a physician to becoming an entrepreneur specifically to do what I'm, I'm doing is, has completely transformed the way that I parent. Mm-hmm. And actually, you know, what's interesting is one of the biggest things that changed because of coaching is my relationship with my son. I know he's only seven, but I will tell you when I first started coaching, this is when I was the, you know, the 200 pound range. Um, he, I had many thoughts about him many thoughts. I'm like, can he just be easier and different? And he was like the kid, he would be the kid that, you know, um, like can be maybe called prickly, like prickly on the outside. You know, he'd be the kid that's a little bit different that is not playing by himself and all the other kids and the moms are doing their thing. And here I am like trying to like make this kid 
really, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I wanted him to be different than he was. And I, when we think about where did my heaviness come from? Not surprisingly, I was trying to make things, people, my life different than what it was. I was not accepting him and it breaks my heart now, but also I'm so grateful to myself for seeing that and being willing to open my brain and honestly be Mm -hmm. deeply vulnerable in my own coaching to explore that and change that. And Mm -hmm. what's so crazy is the moment that I started to see him as he was, see myself at even at 200 pounds, like see ourselves as we are, something just started to shift in our relationship. And it's changed the trajectory of, I think, our whole family. Absolutely. And that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see his feelings, but cause you know, you could also yeah. go, cause I sometimes think, you know, with, you know, I started my, my entrepreneur, like when my kids were older. Right. And so, yeah. so half of the time they're like, wait, what are you doing, mom? You're at the Super Bowl. This is really cool. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, I've been talking to you guys about this, this is my job. And right. I created this, right. you know, and they do know what I do, but it's just when you have teens, you're, yeah. you know, obviously your life is not as important as theirs um, in their right. mind. But I've had other guests come on, um, that said, you know, they didn't want to be the entrepreneur that they are. They pushed everything yeah. back. They wanted to go into corporate because they had parents mm. that were entrepreneurs mm. and they hated the ups and downs. And both parents mm. were entrepreneurs. They hated the ups right. and downs. They hated that sometimes they were, you know, like the money was always coming in and other times it wasn't. Mm. They hated the unbalanced. Yeah. However, yeah. They then went into and became an entrepreneur, but they did things different and they actually right. became more steady, um, which is interesting. Right. So it is, you know, and having three kids, you know, we yeah. all think that we just want, we just want our kids to be happy, healthy, you know, yeah. kind, hardworking, you know, um, right. confident, you know, that that's yeah. what we want for our kids. And, uh, and uh, obviously the list can go on, but as parents, you know, we think, okay, sometimes, and especially now that I'm in the the late, you know, stage of teens. Yeah. You just take a breath and you're like, okay, everything that I did when they were young and I loved staying home and being a mom, I I chose to stay home and be a mom. And so, but it's interesting to see, okay, like, you know, when you're creating this person, you can really mess them up if you don't have your crap together. And even if you have your crap together, there's going to be something that they are like, Oh, you know, I wish you did this different or, Oh, I wish this was different. So it's never an easy thing. And so when you follow a passion, when you follow something that you love and you're happy and excited about it, it definitely is shown. But then also when you're trying to create a business, depending where you are in in your life, you know, whether you have have support, whether you can be, or, or you have to be the sole breadwinner, or you can do this mm-hmm. as a cooking building. Yeah. It's a very different dynamic that can be brought into a house. So I think it's and also like, very I cool. think one of the things that you're kind of talking about, which, which speaks to a little bit of even what part of my work was when I went from being a physician to an entrepreneur is that my identity is not my profession. What right. I do, I, you know, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm also an OBGYN and I'm also a coffee lover and I'm also a mom and I'm also a wife. Like none of those things are my identity. I think that sometimes, and this is again, like some of those things that we just kind of throw around like, oh, I, I wear many hats. I've said this myself. I wear many hats. That's not who I am. Who I am is way more than what I do. And I think that this was, this is really the one thing that I want to really pass on to my kids is that, you know, who they are as like just humans in their identity of themselves is just what they decide to tell themselves they are. Yeah. I don't care what they want to go do, but if they can just be solid in that, I think that 
it just opens things up so much more. We stop boxing ourselves. And I did that for long enough. Like, oh, I'm just someone who, like, even with weight loss, I'm just someone who loves food. I still am someone that will say, I just, I'm a foodie. I just love food so much. But let me tell you, we have to start changing and shifting our identities if we want to explode and create new results. I think that we get limited by sometimes these like self, self-inflicted labels that we give ourselves. Yes, no, totally. So I would love for you to tell the listeners, you know, where they can find you, what, how you do your coaching. So like if someone's out yeah. there going, well, wait a second, I think I want to work with you. What, it, yeah. what is a, you know, do you do one-on-one? Are you doing group? If you can give people a little bit um, more about that. Yeah. So I have an intimate small group. It's called the unstoppable group. And I, there's, there's many ways of, of really working with me and learning from me. First of all, I have my free podcast. So if this is speaking to you, then I strongly recommend you come and listen to weight loss for unstoppable moms and just start like getting this message into your ears and into your brains, because I promise you it's possible to live lighter now and lose weight, feeling better along the way. And then if that speaks to you, and if that is like just lighting you up, then I would love to see you in the unstoppable group. It's a very intimate room. So I only work with a very small group. You can see everyone can see each other on one small zoom screen. Uh, We meet live weekly coaching calls. I have a, like a written coaching cafe. It's on Slack. If you're familiar with Slack, it's like a little private Mm -hmm. community that I coach my clients on in between our coaching calls. And we have all kinds of fun together. It's the best group to be in. It's six months. So the way that I really like to help you all think about whether this work is for you is very simple. If you identify as a high achieving working mom who is just ready to be done with the struggle, like just ready to be done and ready to live lighter and ready to lose weight in a way that does not require a calculator, but you're like feeling like you want to live lighter, you absolutely belong in this room. And you can learn more at the unstoppablemombrain.com forward slash group. I have all the information for when my next group is starting and how to join me. And I, I really, again, because it's such an intimate room, I meet with everyone via consult and we decide if we're a best fit and you get to just decide if you want to be in this room or not. That's great. So I have a couple questions with that. Tell so- me, yeah say someone is like, does it matter? Is there a certain amount of weight someone has to lose? Like say someone really doesn't have to lose. They may be Mm -hmm. like, you know, struggling with 10 pounds, but it's not about the weight. It's really about changing the mindset. Is that something that you also do? Is it just about weight loss? I mean, obviously it's not because you're coaching them things. Yeah. So So like like, literally we, I would say like my, with my clients, we coach on relationships. We coach on kids. We coach on time. We coach on weight loss. We coach on every part of your life that's leading you to feel heavy. So that's like very simply put, I've had clients that had to lose five pounds and I've had clients that have to lose over 50. I myself have lost over 60 pounds and it's with this process that I take my clients through. And I like to say that because I think that it's sometimes easy to say I have a process, but not be a product of your process. And I will share that I, whatever I ever put out into the universe is me being a product of my own process. And I think that that's important. So whether you have five pounds to lose or 60, 70, 80, it really doesn't matter. Will you lose 60 pounds in six months? No. Um, unless you were really not being um, healthy about it to be 
very honest, but um, you can lose a lot of weight in six months and then you have an opportunity and an invitation to renew. Um, and the clients that renew with me, they become unstoppable alumni. And there's a whole community of my like unstoppable alumni that we get lifetime access to coaching calls and all, all kinds of fun things. So, uh, so yeah, so really anyone that wants to lose even a little bit of weight or to maintain it with ease. So if you're someone that's like, you know, you have five pounds to lose, but you've been like grit and grind, willpowering, trying to like hold on to like the, hold on to the scale, then that's also an opportunity for you to do this work. And also, if you are someone that has found yourself really relying a lot on willpower and like muscling through plan after plan after plan, or it's like your motivation is high on Monday, it's gone by Friday, then I'm having a free masterclass that you can also come to that's happening in a little over a week. And you can get that. Um, you can reserve your spot at the unstoppablemombrain.com forward slash antidote, the antidote to willpower and weight loss. So you can come there too. That's great. And I'm also like thinking yeah. it could be the person that hits their goal weight, but then they gain 20 pounds and then they hit it oh, again yeah. and gain. So like the yo-yo oh, yeah. person as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're yeah. teaching them to kind of live and and not struggle with it. You know, thinking about yeah. trying to lose weight and always trying to lose weight, um, exactly. which I think is really important. So. Yeah. Yeah. Did any, and you might be like, no, I can't tell you that, but did any of your patients become your clients? Mm -hmm. None of my patients have become my clients. Well, you know, what's so sweet is my patients will DM me on Instagram. Oh, and then right. when are you coming back to the practice? Where are you? I miss you. Come back. Please come back. And there, I mean, every single time I do feel a little, a little emotional at that because I really do. I, I really do love my patients. Um, but no, none of my patients have become my clients yet. I mean, maybe one day they will, but, well, and, but also, um, as you yeah. said, you were really coaching them on the side anyway. So they probably got yeah. a lot of what your coaching yeah. clients would, you know, would be doing, um, regardless. Yeah. So that's great. So, um, thank you so much, you know, um, Priyanka for coming. It's been so, it's been great. And I know that there's people out there that are like, okay. And any of the guys that are listening to this now, this is cause I could, there was one second I was going to say, and then I was like, wait, if my husband brought this to me and I, and I like, if I was in that, that period, would I want that? I don't know. So any of the guys that are out there that are like, you know what, maybe my wife or maybe my mom or sister, you know, someone that might need Priyanka you know, just DM her. You can find her on, um, on social media. You can also, if you can't, and you want to ask me a question, I'm happy to send you along the way because she might be able to take you through of how to approach, um, your, you know, your wife or your mom or your sister in in a way that's not like, Hey, I think you need this. Cause not, (laughs) you know, I think it's like such an act of love though. Like, of course you can always DM me on Instagram, the unstoppable mom brain. You can find me there, but I think of it as such an act of love. If you see that someone would benefit from a resource, please give it to them. I think yeah. that I, I, and, and I think that this can be a source of like, you know, it, depending on how your partner takes your input. Right. Um, but for me, what I've always found is when it's coming from love yes. and not manipulation, when it's coming from true love, I can tell you it, you can feel that you can feel like, Hey, 100%. I found this awesome resource and this is for you. And what I will you know, and, and I share this all over the place, but when you're, when you really want something like for, for my audience, they want to finally lose weight and live lighter. It's like the, the combination of both. Cause you can lose weight and not live lighter. When you want to lose weight and live lighter, you have to stop winging it. Wanting yes. it is not enough. And, and I think that, you know, if there's one message that I want anyone to hear this, to know, it's like, even from going from being a physician to an entrepreneur, any goal, 
any goal we have, any dream we have, I promise it's possible. You have to stop winking it. Wanting it isn't enough. And accepting yourself and befriending yourself along the imperfect journey. It is, mm, it is everything. Everything. I love that. Well, we're going to end on that because that was, that was gold. Okay. <laughs> that was gold. Thank you again for joining your next stop live here on fireside. And you guys, if you have any questions again, please come and ask, please come and, uh, you know, find where, uh, Brianka is go to the unstoppable mom brain. You can find also on the podcast. This will all be in the show notes when this show goes out on all the podcast players, which will be sometime in November, um, probably towards the end, but you can get the replay here on fireside at any time. And again, um, Brianka, thank you so much for, for joining and I'm excited to, thank you for having me. I'm excited to follow you and and to see what your kids do. I'm also really interested. Oh, absolutely. And listen, I share about my kids. They're hilarious. (laughs) No, I love that. But to see if there's any entrepreneurs that come from what you started, I really think that's like something there. I love that. For sure. All right, everyone. Thank you. See you again. Bye.